Welcome everyone to the L7C podcast NBA playoff edition. Today we are going to be talking about the first round of the NBA playoffs and reviewing the play-in games just a little bit. And we have the NBA hoops aficionado, the expert, Mr. Evan Debo. How are you doing today, sir? New York Knicks. <laughs> That's where I spent most of my time. I watched just about all of that game yesterday, but I'm doing good, Martin. I'm excited to uh, to talk about the New York Knickerbockers and everything that was the playing games in first round. Love the NBA class, playoff basketballs here. When you yell New York Knicks somewhere in New York, Trey Young's doing the shush. He's doing the shush right now. He can't hear you right now. I just must buy, I just must be naive to it because I didn't I I mean, I know the, that crowd was bonkers. I think I talked about this in our last pod that, man, like that's what I was excited for the most was the, the crowd coming back into it, particularly the New York Knicks crowd. And, man, were they packed in there yesterday? Were they loud? Um, it just – with the organ and everything, it's, it's what I love about basketball. Like I think I tweeted, like, playoff basketball with the Knicks is good for NBA basketball. And, and like I don't know who was chomp I don't know if who, who was chomping at the bit or booing you know too much to um, our buddies liking down there in Atlanta, but I mean I guess he took it to heart. So <laughs> I get it, and and he he quieted him. So he did. He did. Before we go to the Knicks, we do got to review the playing games. There were the playing games. Obviously, the main event was the Lakers and Warriors, which actually did not. Disappoint. Lakers came out on top there, one o three to one o o. LeBron hit that. Jesus, was it twenty five something feet dagger over Steph Curry? And LeBron himself stated that he just shot and he was seeing three different hoops, and it went into the right one, and it was another clutch shot for the King. Steph Curry balled out as well. Evan, this game lived up to everything we thought it would live up to, and. If I'm a, we talked about the TV rights and all that. That's what they wanted to see. Ratings were great. Yeah, it it was. Um, I, again, I mean, it the Lakers Lakers really, really, really struggled in the first half, um, and it was mm-hmm. it was amazing. I actually, I told you, I was going to struggle to stay up late East Coast time, but I woke up to your text um, with the the Twitter shot that LeBron hit, and it was still that was with three minutes to go, I think, right. Yep. So I, I was able to catch the end of it there. So, I mean, Lakers obviously stormed back in the second half because, I mean, they were – Golden State was just um, hounding them defensively. I think at one point uh, the combination of LeBron, AD, and um, uh, – LeBron, AD, and uh, Schroeder at, at one point were like two for 24. Like it was – it was, it was bad at the beginning. Um, so, I mean, that's just – Shows you the on-off switch that comes with the LeBron James team that they can just flip it like that, and you can never count out a LeBron James team. So, yep, they advance on to the the first round. Golden State uh, then got bumped to play um, uh, the loser of the second game, which was uh, or got to play the winner of the second game, so the nine ten series. So that would have been um, the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, and 
that game did not disappoint either. I it did not. That. It did not. So if you recall, to get into this scenario, first off on the Grizz, the Grizz, um, to advance to this game, they took care of the Spurs by four, 96-100. Um, awful, awful uh, game from DeMar DeRozan, 5 of 21 from the field. He had 20 points getting the line a whole lot. Um, but, I mean, again, it's it's the same thing that uh, we've been saying. I mean, Spurs just, you know, they're they're a different Spurs team than we've seen. I mean, Rudy Gay had a, a, a decent game, but also took a jillion shots, only 8 for 21. Um, I think first time in 50 years that a Spurs team in back-to-back postseason or back-to-back regular seasons has failed to make the postseason. Correct. So um, I saw a couple hot takes on Twitter of, you know, like just God love them. The pop air is done. Um, you know, who, who knows what, what things are gonna look like. Obviously he's coming to an end with USA basketball here too. So, and he's, he's getting up there age wise. So I don't think that's too crazy, but nonetheless, um, you know, Spurs are definitely in rebuild mode of sorts, but even to make it, this game is impressive with the roster they had. So Memphis advances, they go on to play golden state to play for that final eight seed. And in overtime, 117, 112, they take out golden state. So uh, in that game, um, heck of a game from John Morant, 35, six and six, um, you know, obviously great contributions from Grayson Allen again and, um, and Mr. Brooks on the wing uh, for the, the Grizzly or for the Warriors. It was, you know, unfortunately their their path is again, was really dependent on Curry just going off and he did get his 39, 39 and five. Um, however, again, just not a whole lot outside of that. Jordan Poole um, had a really good game with 19, Wiggins with 22. Um, but again, they they lose uh, in overtime there by by five. It was a close game, a great game throughout. Um, and the Memphis Grizzlies advance as your number eight seed in the West. Martin, any thoughts on? Yeah, I just for the Warriors that. I think the league needs to be put on notice for next year when they're theoretically fully healthy. Um, when they have Wiseman back and obviously Clay Thompson, like they're going to be a very probably in the Western conference finals next year, especially if Curry keeps playing like this. And the only thing I want to say about John Moran is that it was a point. They dubbed it as a point guard generational battle and both delivered and jaw. And we'll go into with how they're playing. They're playing Utah. He's showing he is one of the, upper echelon point guards in the league right now or ascending to that point. I would definitely say he's definitely a top 15 point guard, definitely. Uh, I don't know, but I would have to really think about anything above that, but I know he's in the top 15 of point guards right now in the league. So, and again, two great games from the Warriors, which means we were tuned in as basketball junkies. ESPN was eating that up in TNT. So like you said, last podcast, Playing tournaments here today. It's here today. It's great. I will now. I will hold you to the statement that the Golden State Warriors are going to make the finals next year if fully healthy. So I mean, Western Conference. Clay Thompson. Western Conference. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's. I mean, that's. Sorry, I misspoke. Yes, that's what you said. Um, No, I. I don't even know that. I need to see again if healthy. So the only if healthy we have here is just adding back Clay Thompson. Obviously, elite two way player. You know, he's definitely a top 10 player in this league, you know, depending on X, Y, and Z, he could be, you know, definitely towards the top five than he is the bottom 10 Mm -hmm. um, or the bottom part of that 10. But I mean, you add him back in and like, they still have depth issues. Um, You know, Wiggins is, 
Wiggins is still Wiggins. You know, James Wiseman is a good, promising young prospect. But, I mean, they also could have had LaMelo Ball. They could have. And, I mean, he, who is dwarfing anything that Wiseman did before. And, again, very different positions. If you put Wiseman on Charlotte and let him, you know, shoot a jillion turnaround baby hooks and everything else, like, he might put up some stats. But I don't know if I'm quite there yet. I need to see what else they do with the roster. Obviously, they – they are going to get a. Um, they're going to get that uh, Minnesota pick, yes, um, you know, too. That'll be a top five. So I mean, they can. You can do some bundling with the Wiseman with the top five pick and some others, and and see what happens. Maybe maybe that's enough to crack the the Brad Beal thing. I don't I don't know, but um, lots to be determined there. Let's let's switch to the uh, let's switch to the East real quick. So the East playing games. We had, let's see, going back to Tuesday. So, yeah, Boston took care of uh, Washington when we were recording this last week. Obviously, it had that 50-point piece uh, from Mr. Jason Tatum in that game, 14-32 from the field, eight rebounds, four boards. Kemba had a great game, too, with 29 and seven boards. Um, so they dispatched Washington. Washington goes on to play the winner of the Charlotte Hornets and the Indiana Pacers. Um, and the Pacers just absolutely drubbed the Hornets. One call that one. Absolutely drubbed them. Yeah, Hornets were bad. Yep, um, so that in. takes us to the East playing game, which I was I was wrong about. I th- I had Indiana coming in as the the eighth seed here, and I mean it was almost the inverse of that Charlotte game where Washington just absolutely uh, dumped on on Indiana bad. Now I will say with the caveat. I did not know, all things being equal. I don't know if it was enough to change a game. It, it obviously, he obviously is a huge impact, but it was announced prior to the Tuesday uh, first playing game, that 9-10 game with the Pacers and uh, Hornets, that uh, Karis LeVert was going to be out for a considerable amount of time. So both of these games, they did not have him. Obviously, he's an impact 20-point-per-game score plus um, who can distribute the ball and, and handle and everything else. Um, I don't know if that helps what ended up being a bad showing or not by the Pacers, but um, Washington led by Brad Beals, 25 Westbrook, 18, 15 assists and eight boards. And then 18 from Rudy Hachimura. And my guy, I told you about him, Mr. Daniel Gafford off the bench, 15 points, 13 boards. I mean, those are, those are great, great, like Andre Drummond in his prime type numbers. Those are great Jared Allen type numbers. Daniel Gafford. Man's about to get paid a little bit. So Washington advances 142-115 in a a game that wasn't close from the get-go. They move on to your eighth seed, and we have an official bracket. We do. We do. Do you want to start in the east? Do you want to stay in the east then since we're already in the east? Yeah, let's let's start in the east. Um, so we have first and foremost, we have the uh, Philadelphia, and some of these games have already been played by the time you're listening to this um, pod, listeners. But um, we have Washington advance to play the one seed Philadelphia, uh, who has uh, already taken the first game. They're up one nothing. Uh, we also have the uh, Knicks and Hawks, Atlanta, with a game winning shot yesterday from. Um, Trey Young um, after a, a, a really good showing by the Knicks. I mean, man, was I, I just was so into that game, Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I watched a lot of the, the Bucks heat game too. Um, didn't watch uh, Brooklyn and Boston, but uh, I particularly watched most of the, the Knicks and Hawks game last night. And I mean, that was, 
Derek Rose was vintage Derek Rose. I mean, it was it was phenomenal the contributions you're getting. Taj Gibson was was rebounding and in second possession points. The thing that really hurt the Knicks in that game, and and I expect him to bounce back in the series, is Julius Randle was really, really bad. He'd only gotten to the line like once by the time it hit the third quarter. And that dude got to the line like 10 points or like 10 times a game coming into this. And then just particularly against the Hawks, they had a graphic on that he's at in the regular season matchups. He averaged 37 against the Hawks. Um, far from that yesterday, but uh, certainly one of those, one of those games that, um, you know, was hopefully the Knicks aren't looking back and saying, man, like we, we absolutely could have had that. So um, also in the East, uh, just to go back to that 76ers Wizards game real quick, um, 125-118 was was Philly's uh, win over Washington in the first matchup, including an impressive 37 from Tobias Harris. Um, anytime you can get 37 from that guy, that lessens the load for Embiid. I mean, he still had 30. Um, and Ben Simmons only had to put in six, uh, six points, but dropped 15 assists. Obviously, that's more his game as a defense and, and assists and rebounding type. So. A weird triple-double to have six points, but 15 boards and 15 assists for Ben Simmons. Um, great contributions uh, across the board. Danny Green, 11. Seth Curry, 15. George Hill, 11. Um, and then for the the Wiz, great showing from Brad Beal, 33, 10, and 6. 16, 14, and 5 from Westbrook. And 12 and 6 from Daniel Gafford, I had to say it. So those are our East matchups, which leads us to, um, if we go to – Tonight, um, we have Heat and Bucks round two. Um, and then oh, I should say back dating back to Saturday, the, the Nets are up again one over the uh, Celtics 104-93. Um, and then yes, the the Bucks in a game-winning shot by Chris Middleton. That was a great game too in overtime. Started the playoffs. I watched, yep, started the playoffs, watched uh every bit of that one wire to wire. Um, I mean the Bucks. The Bucks it's just a not nicer to have Drew Holiday to look at as opposed to Eric Bledsoe. But I mean, they've absolutely got their 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 work cut out for them here. Looking at uh, you know the Miami Heat, and again the Heat are the Heat are going about things a little bit different. I mean, they were shooting something stupid from three point, and I mean it was surprising to Milwaukee that they still were able to pull this out. The, you know, looking at how bad they were from uh, three point totals. I mean, it was just crazy. They only hit uh, five three pointers and and took well over 25 versus the heat. Um, Duncan Robinson made seven himself. Um, so, I mean, that's just, that's just how it was. He had 24 Butler had 17, but really struggled. Miami's game plan for Jimmy Butler was fantastic. I mean, you could hold Jimmy Butler to four of 22 from the field. Like that's, that's a win defensively for the Bucks, And they're, that just go again, goes to their length and everything else. So I really expect, I expect this one to go, go seven, man. But Okay. So let's, Let's stay on that since we're in the East and we'll we'll start with Milwaukee. So it's already Milwaukee's up one zero. We'll do this for each um, round. So we'll give our who we think is going to win, how many games it's going to be, and maybe one or two X factors. So we're already in Milwaukee and Miami. Miami is down zero one. So Milwaukee's up one zero. You think this is going to go the distance, and who do you have winning that one? I think this is going the distance, but I think I think Milwaukee finds the right combination of the Rubik's Cube to get it done this year. Um, again, I think they're – Drew Holiday obviously gets the nod on 
on the, you know, the big flashy name that they've added, but I, I just think their bench is way deeper too. Um, you know, just with some of the folks they've added, Bobby Portis, um, Bryn Forbes, PJ Tucker, um, you know, those guys are going to make as much of a difference as anybody else that you've had on there. I mean, they are anytime PJ Tucker is like your like eighth or ninth man. Um, I mean, that's just phenomenal defensively. And I will say too, the big thing that we saw a little bit of in game one that I expect them to go to, and they had a stat up that showed just the difference in shots, uh, shot distance from the rim for this individual. Um, they're getting Brooke Lopez touches 18 and under now. So take advantage of his height. He was in there grabbing boards. Um, you know, that weren't easy, uh, amongst some of the heat bigs and stuff too. Um, and then, you know, if, if Adebayo gets, gets some truck or gets, uh, um, hurt, they're kind of, um, up a Creek without a paddle again, um, should be noted that even though Jimmy Butler did go four for, um, uh, 22, he still dinged up a little bit with a, a right ankle and obviously Vic Oladipo's, um, out for the year. So, um, but I do expect this to go seven. Martin, what about you? This is actually one of my, um, tough ones. Most the other ones are in the West. But my biggest concern was Milwaukee, and I would agree with you 100% on everything you said, is we didn't, name, we didn't even say his name, Giannis. His free throw shooting has just been terrible. No, it's bad. It, it's very bad. And as the best player, and we've seen Giannis in the playoffs where you back off of him, make him shoot, and he cannot make any of the shots he was making in the regular season. And Miami was one of those real teams to really expose him last year. And Jimmy's a little bit dinged up, but he went four. You said four for 23, right? For who? Jimmy Butler. Yeah, four for 22. Four for 22, but he went that bad shooting was, but it took a Chris Middleton game-winning shot to win that game. And I honestly feel like if Miami would have stole game one, Miami would have won this in six. But I am going, I'm going same with you. I'm going to go Milwaukee in seven. I can't count this Heat team out because, like we saw in the finals, like we saw all last year, they are a resilient group. That guy up top, Pat Riley, that coach, Eric Spolster, they're resilient. But I agree with you. I'm going Milwaukee 7, and it's not even because of Giannis. It's because of the depth of bench and Drew. I, yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't, I'm not uh, abundantly confident in in this pick of seven. Cause I think, I mean, this is, this is why, you know, Milwaukee had to pay up for what they did for Drew holidays because the heat are a handful. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just only fitting these two teams are getting together again. So yeah, I, I, it's going to be a great series. This is one of the ones definitely I want to look forward to because there's other series, obviously um, where, you know, it's a write off almost. So one of those oh, yeah. series, let's Brooklyn. look at, Let's look at Brooklyn real quick. Um, so Brooklyn versus Boston. Brooklyn's already up 1-0. Um, obviously, Brooklyn's a juggernaut with every all-star the last 10 years you can name off the top of your hand almost. Um, but uh, so, yep, they're up 1-0. And again, it's just it's, it's the Golden State conversation we talked about last Tuesday. It's, it's Jason Tatum uh, having to fill up the stat sheet, particularly, you know, put the whole team on his back. It's the Madden gif of the guy with the broken back running down for a touchdown like because he put his team on his back like it's the same thing um there's just you're going to get some help from Kemba you're going to get some help from Marcus Smart um also shout out Robert Williams uh setting up a Boston Celtic franchise playoff record for blocks um he had nine I mean just 
animal around, to animal think about. around the rim. Nothing easy for for the nets and the buckets. They they were trying to get uh, under the under the hoop and in the paint. But yeah, this is going to be uh, this is going to be four zero sweet. Four zero. We going four zero. I would agree, but I'm going to say five because my X factor, even though it's the playoffs, if Kyrie's going to come to work, like is he going to have one of his Kyrie moments and he's like, I can't play this game because of X, Y, and Z, and I and we've done it all year. We haven't seen it in the playoffs yet, but I'm going to give the Nets in five just because of that lingering thing. I don't think that's I don't think that's bad. Yeah, I don't see it getting past five. I did I. I could see, you never know. Tatum could go off and all it takes is a combination of a couple guys to have an off day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mainly maybe Harden and Irving have an off day because Durant's just way too consistent. But he did have a scary fall that last, if you saw that fall he had. Oh, man, that was scary. <laughs> I don't know how he did that. He just popped, he just popped right back up. I mean, that was, that was something, all right. I mean, that was a devastating, devastating fall. Um, let's go to another series that I think is 4-0 or 5-1, Philly-Washington. Agreed. Um, with obviously Philly coming out on top. Um, I, I think I'm going to go – I'm more confident that this will be uh, a 4-1. A um, I think I said 5-1 by mistake earlier. But I think this is – I feel more confident this series of 4-1 um, just because of how close the first game was. I mean, it was only a seven-point seven point win by Philly. And that was with Tobias Harris, like drinking the Michael Jordan, like secret stuff. Like there's, there's just no way, there's just no way Washington wins a series, but I I do think they're competitive enough, scrappy enough to give Philly the business for a game. Absolutely. Um, Maybe game four or something in Washington, like where, Hey, it's winter go home and and they eat one out to delay the inevitable by a game. What about you? Yeah, this one I'm going Philly in um, in five games just because I do want to give some respect to Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. But then again, Russell Westbrook in the playoffs since Durant leaving um, Oklahoma City has been terrible. Like they have, he hasn't made it out the first round. I don't believe except for last um, in the bubble when they beat OKC in like seven games, but then got smoked after that. And we all know what game time's done to them and all that, but. He just has not been good in the playoffs at all. Like, it's almost a completely different player. And I feel like Philly right now, they're on a mission. And Ben Simmons, who I know we haven't talked about awards, I personally would give him defensive player of the year. But, and Joel Embiid, who I think is going to finish second in MVP voting, I I just think they're going to smoke him in five. And I wouldn't be surprised if this series is over in four at the end of the week. But I'm going to give... I'm gonna give them five. I agree. Let's uh, let's go on to the series we led off with the, the Eastern Conference main event: the Hawks and the Knicks, the four-five. I'll let you go first. Go ahead. Okay. First, we've already talked about the crowd, which just in sports in general, it is great. We've already talked about New York basketball. It is great them being back in the playoffs. I think the last time was 2013 with Melo, which if you're doing your math, that was. Seven years ago, Julius Randle, who should finish in the top 10 in MVP voting. Top five. Top I, I, I agree, but, you know, they don't listen to us. But Trey Young, I'm 
with these playoffs, my theme is that there's a lot of players who, if you're not a hardcore basketball fan, you've never seen on national TV. Uh, Trey Young is one of them because Hawks games have not been far and few between on ESPN and TNT. So I'm glad that people are actually getting to see how good he actually is. And obviously he's, you start the playoffs with a dagger like that, but you know, I got to do it for New York. I'm taking New York in seven. I'm sorry. I want them to win so bad. It hurts. It's like they are my, it's like they're Cleveland. I want them to win so bad. I want them to have a parade in the first round because honestly, I think they could push Philly to like six games, but I want New York to win. Do I, I think they can win. They have to win game two. If they don't win game two, then they're done. But I'm taking New York. Instead. I think, I mean, I think that's the case in a lot of them. You know, it's, if you, if you start down O2, it's almost impossible to come back. I mean, it's not impossible, but I mean, again, you, that's before you get to play the team down 0-2 gets to play a home game most of the time, but the Hawks have stolen one on the road now. So like here, the Knicks need to steal one back. Um, I'm with you. I, I want good things for New York Knicks basketball, the long sufferers of everything. Um, I mean, man, the Hawks, the Hawks, I mean, they've got, they've got talent, man. Yes, they do. Capella is the NBA's leading rebounder at the other regular season. You've got Herder Gallinari, um, Bogdanovich and Young, who can fill it up with uh, with ISO ball or coming off screens and popping threes. Um, you know, you got Okongwu getting some some big minutes at the five coming up. Um, and two, we've got Sweet Lou Will. I mean, that's I'll be honest. So that was a turning point of the game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, that trade really perplexed me. The the Rondo for Lou Will straight up because um, I I think Lou Will's a better player and. There were times where, you know, New York would get up to a bubble of like six or seven or something like that. And then all of a sudden it would just be Lou Will just chips back and gets a long, long jumper here. Lou Will pops a three uh, on the left side of the arc. Like he, he really kept it from getting out of hand where they could come back and get that, that uh, um, game winning shot essentially. So, but uh I want good things to happen for New York Knicks basketball. I'm going to go Knicks in seven, and I'm really not confident about it because I honestly think the Hawks might, but this is more I'm trying to will it to happen. So let the record show that I think the Hawks might well take the series, but I want my official prediction to say New York Knicks along the side my name. I also want to say about this matchup, it's the matchup of if you didn't watch the NBA all year, you didn't know these two teams were actually pretty good. Like if you didn't watch, if you went up to a fan's like, hey, you watch the NBA, you haven't watched games, hey, Hawks and Knicks are playing each other. It's like, Hawks and Knicks? Like, that's how I see it. Like, and they're not the 7 8 seed. No, they're up. They're the 4 5, which, especially with the Knicks, great for basketball. Just, just fantastic. Evan, you want to swing to the West Coast? To the West? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Where you? Let's start with the defending champs. We, let's, let's get them first, give them the respect. Well, the defending champs, uh, again, have that one game play in uh, with the Warriors. They advance. They're on the seventh seed. Um, game two is going to be tomorrow night as you're listening to this. That'll be Tuesday. Uh, they are currently down uh, one game to zero to the number two seed Phoenix Suns. Obviously, we had, uh, we had Chris Paul get dinged up in that game. We had uh, we had 
a, a little bit of a shoving match with LeBron trying to get that rebound off the the thing, and then the bench is cleared. But Suns take that ninety nine to ninety. Um, LeBron only took thirteen shots, which I thought was a little low for him. Um, so eighteen on the game, ten points or ten, or ten assists, seven boards. Uh, Schroeder had fourteen. Davis struggled shooting under thirty three percent, five to sixteen from the floor, thirteen. Suns. Um, Booker had 34 big game from, from Aiton on 10 of 11 shooting for his 21.16 boards. Uh, Chris Paul paid 36 minutes before the, the injury, obviously. And he had seven points, eight assists. Um, Martin, what stood out for me from, from that game and just how, how game one went. Before I say my thing, I do want to shout us out because if anyone listened to our preseason stuff, we did say, watch out for the Phoenix Suns. This year when they got Chris Paul, because if you've watched Chris Paul's track record, anytime he goes to a team, they are instantly significantly better and their win percentage just increases astronomically. So just want to give ourselves on a pat on the back. He's Bitcoin stock, man. Bye, bye, bye. He called that before anybody else. And this was another player who... And Monty Williams officially coach of the year now since we oh, yeah. recorded. It's, it's, it's been sealed. And I honestly think Chris Paul should be in the top six or seven of MVP voting. But another player who, if you haven't, if you're not a junkie of this game, and you finally get to see on national TV and see how good he is, Devin Booker. Like, there's a lot of people who never got to see him play because Phoenix hasn't been good since the Amari Nash days. And when you saw, like, the day uh, Devin Booker got 70 a year or two ago, and besides that, not that many people know about him besides junkies or people listen to L7C podcasts. So I'm really excited for him. I'm excited for his debut dropping over 30. DeAndre Ayton, he can play. Chris Paul, I'm I'm hoping he's back in game two. Like, I'm hoping that's not like a serious injury because I want both teams to be at full strength. And honestly, I just feel like the Lakers were just, they were just lack. They have that intense play in game. They did get some time off, but I felt like they just didn't have their right energy with them. And it's kind of weird too, because in the first round, like, even though it's early, seeing LeBron team down 0-1 to, like, this is actually a competent team. And the Lakers were actually the betting favorite in Vegas to win this series. And I saw people saying Lakers in five. I'm not going Lakers in five. I do think, depending on how this game two goes, obviously, I, I do like the Lakers in six, maybe seven. Phoenix will not go away quietly. I can assure you that. Yeah, I don't. I, I certainly think Phoenix is capable of beating the Lakers. I'll I'll be honest. I, I think part of my part of my hesitancy with LA is again, you've had LeBron out for a huge chunk. First time in like 18 years, you've had AD out for a huge chunk. Um, you know, they lose Rondo with some of that setting the table type stuff. Um, you know, they all that adds up into they're just they're kind of walking through the motions to an extent. And that's kind of what they did in game one. I'm with you though, on the prediction, I'm going to go Lakers in six or seven. And who knows? I mean, if that Chris Paul injury is devastating and we'll has, as we've been finding out from Woj and Shams and all those guys, I'll let us know like two minutes before the game starts. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think unless that's something crazy, I don't see the Lakers winning five by any means, but no. They're the defending champs going to give them if it's a toss up, which I think it is. I think I'm still going to go with I'm going to give the defending champs credit uh, or the uh, benefit of the doubt and say six or seven. Let's move to the one seed who's down 
to a playing team. The Memphis Grizzlies took game one um, of, against the Utah Jazz. Um, I will say that obviously Donovan Mitchell did not play in game one. Uh, so that obviously adversely affected that game. Uh, and then uh, he is going to be back for game two, they've said. But Grizzlies beat them 112 to 109 in the first first matchup. Um, and Dylan Brooks and John Morant were spectacular. They combined for 57, uh, 11 boards and six assists, uh, three steals and two blocks just for Dylan Brooks himself. Um, good co- contributions from Balanchunas, 15 and 12. On the Jazz side of things, um, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich had 29, Mike Conley with 22 and 11, um, and then a, a decent showing from their from their usuals, Joe Ingles, um, Jordan Clarkson, Derek Favors. But the Grizz steal game one, man, that's surprising. Very, very surprising. And Donovan Mitchell, he was, if you saw the reports, he was very frustrated that he did not play game one. So obviously, like you said, game two, they said he is he's playing. I obviously the men, the Utah Jazz, who were basically wire to wire, almost the number one overall seed in the NBA, like their home record was ridiculous. Like they were just balling. And we talked about on previous podcasts that they can keep it up. And they obviously did. But Memphis is what the play in sometimes games do for like the Lakers. I felt like they came in lax, but Memphis, I felt like they came in locked in because they were already in do a do or die basketball, very do or die mode already. And uh, Utah is going to have to get in that mode. I do expect Utah to win this. I thought it was going to be in five, but with Memphis taking game one, I'm thinking now it's going to be more Utah in six. want to see how Donovan plays when he plays in game two on the 26th, I believe. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Utah in six now because they uh, Memphis took game one. And John Morant, for other people, now you're seeing him. He, he is ascending. So. Keep that name in your uh, recollection. My gut wants to tell me five if Mitchell comes back and is completely fine. Um, if he's not fine, I think this is I think this is a six-game series. I, I feel like Utah still um, – Utah's going to win, but I, I still feel like Utah comes back in, in six uh, and wins the series. Yeah, but you could talk me into, hey, Mitchell's, Mitchell tries to go tonight. He's out something devastating happened and Utah struggling and barely wins at seven, but I still like Utah to, to walk away from the series, but I mean, shout out Memphis and everything they're doing and some of the big contributions they're getting. They got Jared Jackson back from the uh, right towards the end of the regular season. Grayson Allen's really doing well. Dylan Brooks has stepped it up mightily. Utah lost this game, not because of Donovan Mitchell, because they put up 109 um, mm-hmm. and had some great, performances from around um you know from their bench and and their uh, role players they lost it because their defense was just so bad which is uncharacteristic and brooks and rant just shot out of the gym so i think it's i think most likely it's five it could be six um we'll see from there so so there's one there's one that i want to save save for last so we're gonna go to denver and portland because the other one i i do (laughs) want to save for last so let's let's go to Denver and Portland. Uh, Portland's up one zero. We know Dame time. Like we we are well aware of Dame time. Uh, Denver obviously has who we think is going to be the MVP, the Joker. Obviously Jamal Murray is not 
playing. This was a series where Evan, I really thought this could be a potential toss-up and go seven games. And I'm still kind of wavering, but I just know this one. I feel seven games on this one because this is going to be a close one. I feel, I feel seven on this one too, man. I, I think you're right. Um, I think Denver's, Denver's got the goods to, to beat um, the Nuggets. And you're right, without Jamal Murray, they've got to kind of find a new playoff identity, um, you know, in, in Denver to an extent. Um, obviously, it's still Jokic-centered and, and Porter Jr.'s, you know, phenomenal too. But, you know, I, oh man, this is, this is tough for me. I think I might be picking Portland. Just Blazers in seven. Put me down. Just right you, now on a Tuesday. If you took Blazers. I, I will go Denver in seven because I really could have forced a coin and been fine with either pick because this, this matchup is going to be something because Portland is not an average like six seed. Like we know the players on that team. And if Jamal Murray was healthy, I'd, I would probably consider putting Denver in the finals. But obviously they don't have that. But Michael Porter, maybe him and the MVP Joker do something, but we'll see. I mean, that's one of the series I'm most excited for. And now the last series, the Dallas Mavericks versus the Los Angeles Clippers. Dallas is already up 1-0. Why are they up, Martin? Well, I do, <laughs> I do want to shout out Luka Doncic, who bullied Pat Beverly in the paint. And since we are an NBA-friendly show, he told Pat Beverly, that he is too effing small. And once that psychological thing happened, I just watched that game and I knew because Evan, since last year, I haven't really watched the Clippers game unless they played like the Lakers. And so this one time I was watching them because you know how I felt about them in the playoffs last year and how irate I was about them giving their 3-1 lead. So I'm like, oh, they're going to come more motivated. But then it just didn't happen. You had the scene where, shout out to Kawhi Leonard, who had that monstrous dunk, but then everyone else was screaming on the dude, but they got the last laugh and won. And Evan, before the game, I'm just going to be honest. This was the upset I was previewing on the last one. I was going to pick Dallas and six, and I am going to pick Dallas and six. And this is before this game one. I really have no faith in my most favorite hated basketball player ever, Paul George. Kawhi, I just feel like Toronto was lightning in a bottle, and I feel like the Spurs, because of the surrounding pieces, and you put them in some team like the Clippers, they're not going to win. And I feel like, honestly, I'm going to say it right now, if they get bounced in the first round, that team needs to blow up, and they have no asset for future picks, and they got to trade them and get rid of people because they're losing this series. I'm not sure if they're losing the series, but by the end of this conversation, I might get there um, as I kind of talk through my own thoughts. But um, let's go through the numbers. So these are all the things we talked about last year. I mean, we talked about, again, just how bad of a choke job it was that that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were working out. Look, Mm -hmm. this is game one was more of a recipe of, again, not working out. Kawhi Leonard, 40 minutes. 26 points on nine of 22 shooting one for six from three. Mm-hmm. 
Paul George, 39 minutes, 23 points, 8 of 18 from the field, Mm -hmm. 2 of 8 from 3, along with four personal fouls and three turnovers. Martin, when I read you the following names, tell me with the utmost confidence who you think on any given night you feel confident is going to get you 12 points, not named Uh, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. You ready? I don't even know. Just yes or no. Pat Beverly. No. Vanka Zubac. No. Marcus Morris Sr. No. Rajon Rondo. No. Nick Batum. No. Reggie Jackson. Yes. Reggie Jackson is going to get you 12 points for sure? Ooh, for sure. <sighs> can, you, can you drop it down to 10? Maybe. But now, no. I had to think 12. No. Terrence Mann. Oh, no. No. Here's the only one you can probably, probably say yes to. But he can't, you can't afford to have a bad game for him. Serge Ibaka. Yes. Okay. If you are dependent upon Serge Ibaka to get you 12 points and he's your only yes from the entire roster, that's a problem. Um, Billy had eight that game, too. If they have, yes. If they have Lou Will, this is, this is different. They're capable of beating Dallas with Lou Will. You have Rajon Rondo as your scoring guard off the bench? No. Clippers in seven. Wow. Remember, it did take it did take them six last year to beat Dallas, and that was without Kristoff. Let's be honest, they're kind of playing without Kristoffs anyway. That dude hasn't. That dude struggled. I don't feel confident. I'm I'm rooting. Obviously, it's a team we root against of sorts. I I wonder if I, I can't remember who has the option on their deal. I feel like Paul George, one of the two. I need to look at the. Yeah, but I will. I will push back. I will push back on that. I don't openly root against them. I wanted Lakers. I wanted Lakers Clippers last year. I want Lakers Clippers again so we could get it over with. But they failed me last year, and ever since, only thing I can remember about the Clippers last year is that shot from Paul George from the corner hitting the side of the backboard. That summed up their whole season. And here we are again. You gave up a 3-1 lead last year, and now you're down 1-0. And remember, we talked about in the last one about how they, they flat-out ducked the Lakers. Yes, I won. that was one of my last two points. They, they ducked the Lakers. And if they lose this series because they ducked the Lakers and they could have played someone else, that is unforgivable. That is, Everyone's got to go. Clean house. Everybody. I don't know. You've got to you've got to trade Paul George. Oh, well. And pray you can get something from him. I'm not a GM in the NBA, so someone will take Paul George. Which it's funny because today is the anniversary of his best play ever when he was on the Pacers and he had that monster dunk on Birdman. Poor Birdman. Shout out Birdman, wherever you're at. Hey, Miami got the last laugh. That was Paul George's greatest moment, and that was almost eight years, eight plus years ago. Final thought on Kawhi, real quick for me. Kawhi is a fantastic, fantastic player. He is, he is an all-star caliber player who, on I won't say t- Toronto, I don't think was, Toronto wasn't a, a fluke for me. I think if he would have stayed in Toronto, they would have been in more finals. Like, they, they had the piece. I agree. I agree. They probably could have, I think they potentially could have won last year, mm-hmm. um, all things being equal. But... 
the thing for me that stood out between the Spurs and the Raptors was the ball movement. Um, the, the ball sticking way too much with Kawhi right now because he doesn't have dynamic guards. They don't run an offense. Ty Lue isn't a guy who runs an offense. Ty Lue is a guy who manages personalities. Ty Lue got where he got because, because, you know, LeBron's LeBron. I hate to say it. I mean, he obviously helped, helped, and he wasn't afraid to tell LeBron, like, like, listen, like, I know you got 40, but I need more from you. You're LeBron James. Like, you're like, what? Like those kind of conversations that somebody, only a former player can have, yada, yada, yada. But anyway, they can't. I, I mean, I just, I just don't see how they can succeed as constructive. But for me, Kawhi succeeded because of the ball movement, because of the rotations, because of the coaching in Toronto and in San Antonio. Versus now you don't have those things and you go from being an elite player in a really good offensive system to now you're an all-star player. And there's, that's fine. That's respectful. There's plenty of all-star players out there. There's plenty of Aaron Gordons and everything else. Granted, he's way better than Aaron Gordon, but there's plenty of all-star players that have really, really good careers that never end up doing a whole lot. Now, granted, he's already done that, but I'm more speaking on Paul George's thing right now. And that's what comes with playing with Paul George. So they, they definitely, definitely sold their souls to make this happen with Oklahoma city and forcing their way in free agency and everything to go to the Clippers. So it's the players doing and what I hate too for the Clippers is who wouldn't want to have both those guys on their team. Cause I've been there with LeBron. Like mm-hmm. you want to get that player. You've got to get rid of every asset. You've got to sell the condo in Hawaii. You got to sell the cars, whatever, but you get the hot girlfriend. And then when the hot girlfriend leaves and you've got a whole bunch of like see taxes and bills stacked this high and everything else, that's what I hate for the Clippers fan base. Is it sounds like we're going towards a situation where like it doesn't work out. We're just going to hop to our new team or make our new version of super friends. Like whatever. Like that's that's player empowerment, everything else. But the Clippers are like left sucking, just like my Cavs are left sucking. Yeah, I, I digress. Have, I have no problem with anything you said. It's just when those players do do that and it does not work out, like which. You're, like it's not going to work out for them. They need to be able to take the heat. They can't run from it. You guys were the ones who really put this team together. And when you guys, well, you're saying they um, win in seven. I'm saying they lose in six. I obviously don't think they're getting to the Western Conference Finals at all. So whenever they get bounced, you have to be able to take that heat and not disappear into the um, media thing. And Evan, that was our first round thing. But there was something else. Besides the NBA playoffs that took not just the basketball world, but the entire world by storm. And I do want to get your media expertise on this because I do want to know when enough is enough. So in the first time in like 20 plus years, Kwame Brown finally spoke out against everything people have said about him. Um, Stem from all the smoke podcasts with Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes. Um, it obviously you got to you got to be an OG to remember when Kwame Brown got traded to Memphis for Paul Gasol and Stephen A called him a bona fide scrub and he had enough and exploded on everyone and now it's become a YouTube sensation basically overnight so Evan as a media guy I just want to ask like Kwame's not said anything for 20 years why do people keep why do you keep beating that horse if the guy's just been living his life I don't know. I just sometimes 
sometimes people just need content and they make it out of, they make it need to make it out of thin air or, you know, there's sometimes you've got those ancillary players that like get clout from talking about their past experiences. Like if they were just a role player, um, you know, like a, not to single out like Matt Barnes, but like, you know, players of that caliber. Um, and I get that's, and Kwame's been an easy target, but I like that he clapped back, man. Like that's yes, good. Like his whole rant and everything else was, was fantastic and, and spot on. And, um, I, I wanted to find out more about the story. I forget what player tweeted about it. Talking about like one point he was in a club with Kwame and his brother Go to arenas. Go to and, arenas. It, and it took like 15 security guards, to get those two seven foot dudes out the club. Like that's, I want to find out that more well, but the guy he's been talking like he's been living his life i think down in georgia or whatever and like lives on a land he has a tractor all of that so he's just been quiet and he just said enough's enough and i i am so happy that he said that because now you have obviously like people like Stephen a saying like yeah he's right i mean people have been talking about him for 20 years and he said nothing he's never been disrespectful to anybody for him to clap back is just like he gave a huge following after that. And you see people trying to apologize. And my advice to everyone is just let the man live and stay away. The guy knows where you can have mutual combat without signing a waiver. That's pretty dangerous, dude. So let him be on his tractor and live his life on his big green tractor. It could go slow or it could go faster. (laughs) Martin, I do have one more thing I want to bring. Um, Maybe this could be a new final segment on the pod. It's called One Last Thing. I don't know. Is it about LeBron not getting suspended? Okay, that could be two last things. Because LeBron <laughs> should have been suspended. Yes, he should have. <laughs> but you can't, you can't suspend the sheriff if you're the mayor. Like, it's that kind of thing. Like, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't know. It, actually, it's the inverse. You can't be the sheriff trying to put the mayor in jail almost. Like, you can't do that. And LeBron's the mayor of the league. So, yeah. but yes, different standards. You hate it, but that's totally what happened. No, my final thing is today the NBA announced um, an expansion league in Africa. Um, from Luol Deng, like Luol Deng, a couple other, um, couple other former players investing in it. Um, I would love to see a dedicated two, three-month summer league of NBA Africa where it's its own, own league to get to watch throughout the summer. Think about the players that like, I love hearing the stories and just think about where we would be as a league, where we would be in terms of the NBA and a global brand and, and bringing it, um, you know, the basketball without borders thing is kind of where it started where, you know, you had players like Pascal Siakam, you had players like, um, uh, I think, who'd you say? Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid. I mean, like players that like never picked up a basketball to like 14, 15. What if you, what if those kids had a basketball at, at six? What if those kids had a basketball camp to go to at seven? Like those are the pieces that come with, with hope, with uh, putting together resources for a league like this. Um, it's, it's exciting. I, I really like, I really like the direction of where this is going. And I think, I think NBA Africa can certainly be, five, 10 years down the road, you know, it can be a spot where it's not just, it, it's not just, you know, like a, a smaller low level league, but I mean, it could challenge the Australia basketball league. It could challenge, um, you know, the league with like Real Madrid and, you know, some of those in there in Spain. Like I, I really have high hopes for this. And I think this is a big day for formalizing. Obviously they've done a couple 
like US versus Africa, like one-off all-star games in the last couple summers. But I'm glad that they've they've made it a name, they've made it a league, that they have former players investing it, investing in um the the people and the countries in Africa. And our our sport and our humanitarian efforts gonna grow because of it. Love it. I mean, I'm just I'm just excited, 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 excited for um you know, as a fan, potentially 12 months of basketball down the road, but more importantly, finding those players that, you know, think about for every Pascal Siakam we've had, we have however many more we missed, you know, mm-hmm. I'm excited. No, I, I agree. I'm, I am excited about it. It's because there is general interest in Africa about Africa, about the game of basketball. I would almost, I don't want to equate it to this, but it could almost be seen like, the basketball without borders over there could almost be seen as like the MLS where obviously like in America, NBA, that's the top spot. And then like overseas and all that, but then soccer, soccer is king um, in Africa. And then you're bringing the NBA, which the NBA I think is definitely does a better job uh, with the globalization and all that than the MLS does. But I'm just saying as a sport, trying to put its at, in somewhere but i i am excited it's gonna be it's gonna be really good to see and i know we kept saying one last thing and then i brought up the lebron thing but then you just brought up this basketball without borders and 12-month basketball so now i'm really gonna throw it to one more thing about now uh adam silver has brought back talks of doing mid-season tournaments we're talking about that and that 12-month thing rung that back in my head and we're t- and that's how soccer. There's soccer leagues who do that as well over there in the Premier League and all that. How would you feel about an NBA midseason tournament? And like, what prize could you give to make teams actually like try? Would it be more draft picks? Like, what could you do? I'm at a loss, man. I I, I don't think you can give me anything in the pot, mm-hmm. like anything to sweeten the pot to like make that something. I'm going to get Kawhi Leonard to play in. And I'm going to get LeBron James to play. It's the NBA title or go home for the for the who's who. Um, I just don't see. Maybe that works in soccer, just because it's definitely more of a not that there's not stars, but it's more of a, a team dynamic versus. I mean, that's again, that's what separates the NBA from the NFL too is the personal brands, the players, and everything else. I mean, like you think players sitting out now is bad. Um, and doing the the rests did not play rests and everything else. Throw in a midseason tournament they don't care about. Like mm-hmm. LeBron was barking about why are we playing the All Star game this year? Like these players don't want to play any more extra games. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's a conversation if you drastically reduce the regular season like they've been talking about doing. And I think we only played 72 this year. If they keep it at 72 or they you know they they bump it down to like 65 and you've got like a playing turn. I don't know, but. Obviously, the teams in the league are going to keep trying to speak this into existence for the money reasons. Um, you know, ratings I think are we're still down somewhat this year for the league, but uh, you know, it's it's all about money, and that's that's why Adam keeps pushing it. But um, I just don't see what you can dangle in front of me, and what would be fair too. Like, if you had a midseason, if you had a midseason playing tournament, and like say, okay, well, we're going to award an extra first round pick to a team that wins this tournament or something, but could, you know, get some extra lottery boosts and end up in top. Like that's only going to hurt your teams that are still bad, still trying to get better through the lottery. Like it's not, I just don't see any 
incentive whatsoever. Um, and like the players are still, again, they're championship motivated. Even if you like said, Hey, we'll just do a pick them. And like, maybe we'll pick like eight teams every year who just get to do like a fantasy draft and like, they'll pick players and you can end up with like LeBron and Giannis on a team. And like, and they just do like a little three week run while the rest of the league gets a break or something. I don't know what that looks like, but I, that doesn't even sound appealing. Again, nothing supplants the importance of winning an NBA title. These players don't want the extra miles on their car. They don't want the extra miles on their body. They don't want to take the extra hits and licks. And, and what happens when the first major player gets injured in a midseason tournament and it adversely affects their yep. championship aspirations? Like yep. if AD breaks his leg in the tournament, Lakers are done. Like, and they didn't have to do that. So I feel like the league's forcing it down our throats. And we might end up with like, Dennis Schroeder versus Colin Sexton in the championship, but like I don't, I don't think anybody wants to see that. No, I 100 percent agree. I just, I don't think there's any avenue. Obviously, like you said about money, they could offer more money if you win, but it's like, would that money really be worth it? Like the example you just gave was perfect. If eighty, if eighty breaks an ankle or breaks a leg, LA seems over for a midseason tournament. That means nothing. Yeah, I just don't think NBA. I just don't think that's the right sport for for that and i agree it's just there's no avenue for it there's no incentive there's no fair incentive because like you said oh if they do this mid-season thing and they offer let's just go crazy two first round more picks or whatever the good teams are going to get them it's not like this the bad teams aren't going to win those tournaments unless all the good teams opt out and it's only the bad teams playing but even that that's not going to boost tv rating so man i i agree I just had to bring it up since we were talking about 12-month basketball. But now I think, we got, I think we covered everything. I think so. And now for my final thing, it'll be a sign-off. Thanks for listening, folks. Justin, thanks for the quick turnaround on the pod, our producer, um, who gets this to you every week across the, the network here. Um, let's watch some basketball, Martin. Go Knicks. Go Knicks. And with that being said, thank you, everyone, for listening to the L7C podcast. You guys take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C Podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.